So when I was in second grade, uh, they came out with these uh, Capri Sun little, like, you know, these little packages that the, has the juice inside, and you could use a straw that was detachable. I think they maybe still make these. And, and you, can, you can poke the hole in the area where the straw goes, and the straw goes inside. All right, well, I'm of the era where those were like new, okay? So while we were at lunch, uh, being somewhat mischievous and explorative at seven years old, uh, there was a group of guys that we kind of figured out that if you put your straw into the juice and then put your finger over the juice, then you could keep the fluid in it even when removing the straw from the little bag, right? And if you put it up to your mouth, and held it with your tongue, it would stay in there too, until you blew it. And it created a neat little fountain in the air. Well, I saw this and I thought, wow, how cool is that? So I decided I'm gonna do that with my little Capri Sun juice pack. And I went ahead and did it, got it into my mouth, and blew it out, created a nice little fountain in the air, but it landed on the boy next to me's pizza. And he started to cry. And immediately, the boy next to him raised his hand, and it like extended two more feet beyond that. And the hall monitor came. And she said, he said to her, Brian McMaster spit on this boy's pizza. Well, this hall monitor now having in her mind that I have spit a loogie on top of this boy's pizza decides to send me to the principal's office. I know, me, right? <laughs> it was a terrifying experience. And of course, uh, because I was seven years old, I was of the age of reason, according to the Catholic Church. So I had a conscience at the time and was really uh, carrying this quite heavily. So. Uh, after many years of therapy, I'm okay now, but uh, maybe, maybe you've experienced when you were younger or maybe even recently uh, the, the process of correction. And uh, you could probably own, whether it's done correctly or not, that correcting someone and being corrected uh, isn't always that fun. We don't like to... Uh, get in trouble and also we don't like to maybe put other people in trouble. It can be very difficult to do. Yet this is what Jesus is asking us to do and to form ourselves as Christian disciples to do it differently than the way that the world does it. So it means also that as we're disciples, we're learning a pattern of life that means that even though the world may want to correct problems in a certain way, we have to go about it with a different manner that is learned from Christ as his disciples. And so he spends time in the gospel teaching his apostles how specifically to use fraternal correction. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Now, correction in that phrase makes sense. We're correcting the fault or the sin of another. Fraternal means brotherly, and this is where it's important for us to start. As we go through the gospel, and you notice the various steps that are 
said by Jesus in Matthew's gospel on how to correct someone, one of the most important words in all of it that sometimes we might just gloss over very quickly, but it's very important, is the word brother. That when Jesus asks us to correct one another, he wants us to see each other as members of one family. Take this spiritually within the heart of Jesus for a moment. That Jesus, that, that episode where he's healed a lot of people and then there's a lot of crowds all around and even his family can't come in to see him and they tell him, hey, your family's waiting for you outside. And Jesus says, who are my, bro- my mother and my brothers and my sisters? It's these little ones who are here who believe in me. They are my mother, my brother, and my sister to me. So you see how Jesus is wanting to call us into a real intimate relationship of love with one another. And then secondly, he also shows us how to live that love. Jesus will teach his disciples that if you are to follow me, you take up your cross and follow me. And love one another as I have loved you. This is why St. Paul says in the letter of the Romans today, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. And this is the summary of the law. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have to love one another even as we correct. And that's the first rule of desiring to bring a correction to someone. Now, you might be pausing for a moment, and if you're thinking back to childhood, how you correct someone as a brother or a sister may not always have been the best way, right? Oftentimes, if you're getting poked, or if a toy of yours is being played with, you will immediately go to mom or dad and say, they took my, right? Whatever it is, and you'll go and maybe react in a way. When we're younger, oftentimes, we might relish in getting the other person in trouble. Sometimes uh, we might feel a sense of entitlement that this person deserves to be punished because they hurt me. Well, these are the attitudes of children. But now, as we enter into adulthood and particularly Christian discipleship, there is a better way. And Jesus expects more of us than to just feel entitled that someone gets put in their place. He expects love of us to truly seek the good of the other. So we might be tempted sometimes in our friendship groups right now to say, you know, if only my roommates were holier, my life would be easier, right? If only they were better listeners than this. But the Christian looks first at oneself. A good example of this is St. John Vianney, who's the patron saint of priests. He said, if only I was holier, then maybe my parish would be holier. Notice how he starts with himself in recognizing that the more that we love, the more that love spreads. And that the truest way to generally change another's behavior is to actually love them 
When we love in this way, it will require of us respect. Now, I want you to think of this word for a moment. It comes from the Latin respectare, which means to look again. Respect like spectacles, right? So you've got glasses or you've got to see. So you're looking again at the other. So when we recognize that there's something in my neighbor that is bothering me, troubling me, or if they have committed an offense against me, the first thing I want to do in love is to respect, to look at them again. Where did they come from in this? Where are they hurt? What is the good that is needed for them? Now, particularly if the problem is just being annoyed by somebody. There's no sin involved. It's just this person's personality irritates me. I kind of want to bring it to their attention. It may be better that forbearance be the virtue that is practiced. What does that mean? Well, as Jesus is upon the cross, he even prays, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. And let's face it, a lot of us have faults and weaknesses because we're human. And Jesus wants us to also be able to forbear, that is to, to even carry the cross of someone else's imperfection and to see them as a good for us. Back up for a moment. Usually, we think that an annoying person is a bad for us. Jesus wants us to see them as a good for us. You see, because this is Jesus coming to us in the disguise of someone who is difficult and gives and offers to us the opportunity to love sacrificially, to forbear their weaknesses, to put aside my own irritability and annoyance and need for control, to die to myself so that the life of Christ may resurrect in me. And then, in this act of charitably forbearing my sister or brother, I am now more in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. There's a story about St. Benedict, who is one of the early church fathers that started the monastery system. And he wrote a letter to various abbots, that is the head monk in each uh, monastery. And he says, you know that monk that who is there in your community that uh, smacks his food loudly during silent meals, sings off-key when the liturgy of the hours is sung in choir, and just tends to kind of be an annoyance to everyone? If you don't know that brother in your community, ask, write a letter to one of the neighboring abbots and ask them to send you one of theirs. The idea St. Benedict knew is that when we receive someone who is perhaps challenging, awkward, annoying, that there's also an opportunity to receive Christ in that person. That people are gifts to us not only in their gifts, but they're also gifts to us also in their weakness. And this is how we build a spirituality of communion with one another. 
to be able to carry one another as the mystical body of Christ and to recognize that my sister and my brother's weakness is my, is my weakness as well. Carrying them in love carries them in the heart of Jesus. We have to take care not to judge the other. Some of us have more judging personalities than others, and things might bother us more easily. You might recall the passage of Jesus where he says, if you want to tell your brother that they've got a, a splinter in their eye, be careful to first remove the plank that is in your own eye. Now this is exaggerated language, right, to, to make a point. And I think we know this very well, especially if you wear a mask and glasses. Because <laughs> your glasses will fog up immediately when you go outside. And oftentimes we might see something incorrectly that is based upon our own lenses. Spiritually, this might mean for us that in our own brokenness sometimes we see things falsely through our own lens of being wounded, insecure, broken, needy, or weak. We can project onto someone else something that interiorly, sometimes subconsciously, bothers me very deeply. And we're trying to have control of it subconsciously, so we're berating it in someone else when we see it. Notice here that the Lord is inviting us to look at our own hearts, to look where we might need to change, improve, or repent. All right, so far, everything that we've said is within the understanding of knowing the call to love, within the experience of having a sister or a brother. But now there are times where it's important that we take further steps and go to the individual. This is the part that can be difficult because most of the time in our society today, we don't like to go to someone. That's hard. Notice how easy it is to do it over social media, to talk badly about someone. But when you actually go to the person, it's different. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Notice he doesn't say gossip about it. He doesn't say grumble about it with somebody else. He doesn't say text the person about it. He doesn't say send them an email about it. He says, go directly to the person in between you and them alone. Bring it to them. And then if you win over your brother, amen, you have given him the best love. This will require of us some specificity, being specific, and basing what we share based upon our experience. So oftentimes, we might want to solve a problem another easy way, by being subtle or passive-aggressive. Uh, an example of this is, let's say, one of my roommates doesn't do the dishes. <laughs> and my roommates do, by the way, so I'm very thankful. Uh, but let's suppose that you have a roommate that doesn't do the dishes, so you decide to cook a whole lot of things and just leave all of your things in the sink for 48 hours just to make a point and hope that they see it and then realize, oh yeah, I need to do the dishes too. 
Notice that there's a little bit of an edge to that. It's done passively, not directly, but it's aggressive in trying to make a point. Jesus wants us to be able to go and to say something that even might be difficult and causes us maybe to even risk rejection a little bit. To be able to go and to lovingly be able to bring the experience. So I might be able to say to someone with some specific nature, when you said this to me, I felt this. It allows the person to be able to see a particular action, not their personality, as the problem. It allows them to be able to have a sensitivity and to even feel an urge to be able to love you in return as you're bringing that concern to them. The next step that Jesus tells us is if the person doesn't listen, then it may be helpful to bring someone else along with you. And then he quotes this line, for wherever the testimony of two or three witnesses is established. Okay, he's referring to the Old Testament. He's basically showing that the Christian way fulfills an older way of the Old Covenant and problem solving. Well, we use perhaps uh, the phrase positive peer pressure now to be able to recognize that we have the ability when we come with someone else to be able to help them to see, hey, this isn't just me together. We are concerned about what you're doing. And we want to be able to help you by bringing this to your attention. After all of this, it's only then that we go to authority. So whether that's a parent, or in this case, it's mentioning the church or some other authority, it's then that we bring it at that time, asking the church to be able to give its influence and call the person to obedience. All the while, Jesus ends with a note about prayer. Whenever two or three are gathered in my name, whatever you ask for will be given in my name. Notice that the context of all of this is about a person. It's about praying for them, for their healing, for their wholeness. And so all along, whenever we have a difficulty, a conflict with someone, that we bear with the other. This is why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Enemy doesn't have to be a terrorist overseas or someone from a different political party. An enemy, someone who hurts me in some way, causes pain. Sometimes they are the people who are closest to me. I want to carry them in prayer throughout this whole process of fraternal correction, desiring to bring them to the good. Lastly, we sang a psalm today saying, if today you hear God's voice, harden not your heart. As we think about how we responsibly as Christian disciples might bring a correction to someone else, it's good to remember the gentleness with which Jesus comes to save us, to heal us, to reconcile us, to show us the unconditional, merciful love of the Father, and to be able to bring us together in the Father's family as sisters and brothers. That we ourselves, in our humanity, 
are fault bearers, sinners, called to become saints by the love of Jesus Christ. And so, if today you hear his voice, perhaps it's from someone you love, harden not your heart. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gigum.